Lazarus has died. Jesus is not yet there yet. And we'll pick up here and we'll start reading at verse, uh, let, let, let's do 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. You know, if you were to look at this passage or this chapter in its entirety, it's almost as if verse number 35, those two words, that short verse of scripture is just a real powerful. It's so short, but it's so large to preach on. And so we're going to try to talk this morning about the tears of Jesus Christ. And it's over a household here that is mourning. And these two words, Jesus wept, really shows us the tender-hearted character of the man Christ Jesus. And what a powerful verse, number 35. Not only is Jesus telling us that this is a proper thing to do, it's a natural thing to do. We also know in Romans 12, it says, Rejoice in them which do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Aren't you glad you've got a Savior that can relate to you? <laughs> we can take that to heart. Uh, sometimes we get the, hey, let's rejoice with those that rejoice part. And sometimes we forget there's another half to that verse. Weep with those that weep. And there's going to be seasons in your life and seasons in my life, seasons in our life as a church, where we're going to have to take hold of the last part of that verse. Weep with those that weep. If you look at verse number 33 in John 11, it says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he was groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And it's okay. The Bible doesn't forbid tears. It doesn't forbid weeping. A close friend dies, and Jesus is teaching us that it is right to mourn. It is okay. It's a biblical thing to mourn. It's a way to remember your family member. It's a way to remember a friend. You know, as well as I know doctrinally, most of you have been saved a good bit of time. You know doctrinally that when a saved loved one, friend, family member, co-worker, you know when they die that they're going to be with the Lord. Their soul is absent from the body, means that they're with the Lord. You know that doctrinally. You know if you're a Christian, you know that they are going to eventually be resurrected and have a glorified body. You know that doctrinally. But you still cry. You still shed tears, right? Do you know Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead? I mean, doctrinally, he's, he is the doctrine. He knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. But you know what he still did? He shed tears. He wept. 
Now, that's pretty good. Christianity is not just doctrinal assents. There's emotions that are attached to it. And Jesus, in verse 35, wept. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be, and it lists a bunch of things. And uh, that verse, uh, 2 Timothy 3, is talking about the last days, the last times for the church. And one of the things it mentions is without natural affection. People, it's a natural affection. It's a natural emotion to grieve and weep and tear shed tears when a loved one dies. Jesus wept. And when the Jews saw that, look at verse 36. Jesus wept, verse 35. And then verse 36, the Jews saw that outward emotion. And it says, behold, how he loved him. How does someone conclude that there's inward love? By outward expressions. It'd be really difficult for a parent or a child or a spouse to hear vain words, I love you, without and, and, and really not be able to experience emotions that go along with that. It's not just for God so loved the world. Jesus weeps. <laughs> Inward love is displayed through outward emotion. We see that Jesus weeping. And if you ever had a time of confusion in your life, a time of distress, a time of sadness, it's okay to weep. And for your friend or loved one, it's okay to mourn with them. It's the right thing to do. The other thing that we see in John 11 is this is a this is a bit of a prophetical look. We see the tears of Christ almost as a spring coming forth over an individual household. But prophetically that spring now is going into uh, a river at something larger because it's a prophetic look at he is going to weep over a nation. And if you look at verse number 45 in that ver in that chapter, John chapter number 11, there's some prophetic tears here over Jerusalem. John 11, 45, here we go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did Believed on him. Well, praise the Lord. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Jesus foresaw that the Jews would make light of his miracle. Now, did some believe? They did. But what did some do? 
They made light of it. They weren't for Christ. They weren't for the Messiah. They weren't for Jesus. They made light of it. Go to um, Luke 19. Turn back to Luke. 19th chapter. Luke chapter 19. Let's look at verse 41. Luke 19 verse 41. Bible says, uh, and when he, that's Jesus, was come near, he beheld the city, that's Jerusalem, and what does it say? And wept over. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Jesus wept over that city. Look at verse 42. Luke 19, Luke 19, 42. Watch what Jesus says. If thou hadst known, even now, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, all the privileges that were given to the Jews, they neglected them. They took them for granted. And Jesus he still hasn't gone to the cross. This is his earthly ministry. He's speaking these words. And we need some help this morning. All of us. His eyes are fixed on a people. A nation. Jerusalem. A city. His eyes aren't affixed on himself. May I submit to you this morning, a lot of people never shed a tear because all they think about is themselves. They can't shed a tear over their household or their friend because everything's about them. They can't shed a tear over their town or their nation or their country because everything is about them. That's not the picture of our Christ. He's going to go to the cross. And he has the Father's will on his mind and he has sinful man on his mind. Knowing that's something to get for. Caring for people. Christ eyes are fixed on people. Are people important to you? Or are they just a number? The government would have you believe you're just a number. You've got nine of them. That makes your social security number. To you, you're a number. I'm a number to the government. What's your social security number? I'm telling you, to Jesus, you're not a number. Oh, he's got some numbers. He's got every hair on your head number. Oh no, he doesn't know how he doesn't just know how many there are. He has however many they are numbered. He's got you on his mind. Now that's a type of love that you and I. And only experience through him. 
We may not be able to love like Jesus, but he can teach us to get more like his love through his word. People, do you care about people? Go back to the Old Testament. We talked about a prophetic look. Go to Zechariah. Go to Zechariah. Go to Malachi and then keep flipping backwards and you should come. That next book will be Zechariah 9. There and yeah, okay. Zechariah nine. Look at what it says in verse number number nine. It says, "Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee." That's King Jesus. And it says he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fowl of an ass. Prophetically speaking, there's coming a day when the daughters of Jerusalem will rejoice at his coming. That day is coming. And he's not going to be surrounded by when he comes into town, he's not going to go in and the temple is going to be filled with worldly trinkets. And it's, it's not going to be a den of thieves. He's not going to be surrounded by that world, those worldly ornaments. And they're going to receive him. They're going to receive him rejoicing. Says he, and he's going to ride in on an unbroken ass. Mark 11 says, he shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And so when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he rides upon that colt, that ass, unbroken, it's, it's, it's prophecy being played out. Because when he comes again, he is going to ride in. And it is not going to be a den of thieves he's going to ride into. They're going to joyfully receive him. And that's the time he's going to come as king. Right now, he's weeping over that nation. Because he cares about that nation. You know what royalty rides in on? The broken, trained, majestic. Ass. Royalty. Military strength is shown. Carnal power. Through that powerful, majestic, grown and trained force. And Jesus just. It's not a carnal fight. I created all things. Give me the unbroken. And I'll sit right on it. And come in. Don't forget where your weapons come from. 
a weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Look at Matthew 23. Let's go there. Christ has tears individually for households. We saw that in John 11. Christ has tears nationally over Jerusalem. And Matthew 23, look at verse number 37. The Bible says, O Jerusalem, Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stone them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her wing, gathereth her chicken under her wing, and ye would not behold. Your house is left desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And he comes that second time, there's going to be some rejoicing. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have Christ almost as a spring of tears flowing Jesus wept, verse 35 of John 11, over a household. That spring of tears as if flows into a river. And that river, Christ's tears are now over Jerusalem. He cares for people. He cares for nations. I asked you, how about you? Do you care for people? Because the last thing we're going to look at is Hebrews chapter number five. And we're going to look at Christ's tears at Gethsemane. Pointing to the cross. And it's not just over a household. This isn't Christ's tears just over a city, over a nation. Oh, no. Oh, no. His tears are now going to be shed for the entire human race. I'm asking you this morning, have you ever wept like Jesus? Hebrews chapter number five. You have a spring flows into a river. You have a river flows into a sea. And it's, 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 it's as if this redemptive cry here of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5 is over the entire human race. Hebrews 5, look at verse number 7. Um, the Bible says, who in the days of his flesh, that's Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Mel is a death. Christ is going to the cross. And he sees the cross. He sees the victory that's going to be won on Calvary's tree. 
want you to look at John 11. I want you to see this. Look at John 11 again. It's going to be in verse 21. John 11, verse number 21. Watch what Martha says concerning her brother Lazarus. Lazarus is already dead. And, and in verse 21, it says uh, in John 11, verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Christ is there. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And Martha is complaining, you should have been here so he wouldn't have died. Christ in Gethsemane. And you know, during his earthly ministry, he kept telling his disciples, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die for your king, uh, for, for your sins. Uh, when are you going to set up the kingdom, Lord? Christ arrives on the scene. Martha says, where were you, Lord? Christ says, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And they want to know, when are you going to give us our physical blessing? In both those situations, Christ wept. Now we come to, he's in a garden weeping. His disciples are sleeping. And he's fixing to go to Calvary's tree to bleed out and die for the sins of the world. How's that for some great love? You ever think about if Christ just came down in that garden, he just started mocking and scorning and listing uh, all the reasons why uh, he should just throw everybody in hell right now. We don't think about those types of things. He's in that garden because he loves people. And he loves being in obedience to the Father's will. And how about you? We live in a world of indifference. You know, this building was built when I was probably one year old. This building's been here a long time. I, it's probably been built before I was born. I wasn't even... I wasn't even in my mama's womb yet, getting diapers in. This building was built. I mean, the church was built. I'm talking about the church house, the building. And you know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, people in this nation thought different, talked different, lived different. You would go over the neighbor's house and say, hey, I ran out of butter. You got extra butter. You would stop over your uh, friend's house from church and you just sit on the front porch and 
you just talk about things and you had the time to do that because you didn't have uh, three appointments during the week. You got to go see your shrink because, you know, this world's got everybody so messed up that they know they all need psychologists nowadays. The world was different. Culturally, it was different. People thought different. Social life revolved around the church house and the church family. Now, life revolves around social media and each individually, each individual personally. Everybody has their own religion and it's on their phone. Whatever their scroll feeds them, that's their belief system. So when they come into a church house now, it's like, does the preacher line up with my religion, my scroll? Do these people? And we have all of these ways to disassociate with people. We have all of these ways to avoid caring for people. It's different. The world is not this. America is not the same America it was 50 years ago. But Jesus is the same Jesus. Yesterday, today, and forever. I don't want to go back 50 years. I know that's done. I don't want to go back 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. That's history. I don't want to go back last year. That's history. I want to live right now in today. And I can know today, all of us can know today, Jesus didn't change. And we need to get back individually. If we want our nation to get back nationally, we need to get back individually to caring for people. People matter. They matter to Jesus. And if you can't care about an individual household, how are you going to care about a country? And if you can't care about a country, how are you going to care about a world? A lost and dying world. Do you know why missionaries call independent Baptist churches, even if they're not an independent Baptist? You know why? Because historically, independent Baptist has always been for worldwide missions. They have always given money to them. We're supposed to be a called out people that cares for individual households, our nation, and the world. Jamin, you got any plans of going to Mongolia? Me neither. But guess what? There's people over there that need Jesus. And we can support a missionary that has been called to go there. Sorry, I can't. My Wendy's bill is too high. Well, quit going to Wendy's. If you can spend $100 a week, $100 a month at Wendy's, $25 a week at Wendy's, you can, you, can, you can take half of that and give it to missions. If you love people, not just your belly. Christ loved people. And our church should stand as a church that loves individuals. Not just ourselves. When was the last time you wept with a friend? Shed a tear with a loved one. Spent some time with an individual. Luke 22. Luke 22. Luke 22, look at verse 
number 61. Luke 22, 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me Christ. Christ looks right at him. And he realizes three times I denied him. Watch what happened, verse 62. You know the story, the his story, the true story. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I believe if some of us this morning honestly turn our eyes to Christ, we honestly look at our life in the, in the eyes of Christ, some of us be weeping. Because you know why Peter was weeping here? Because of the conviction that came upon him when he looked in the eyes of the Savior. I'm telling you, I think sometimes we get our eyes off Christ. We get our eyes off our Savior. We buy into this psychobabble that Christians now are embracing where we always have to focus on our problems. Problems of the past. Problems of the past. Let's go back to the past. How about we don't? How about we look to the cross? And maybe the answer is in the cross. Maybe the answer is looking in the eyes of Jesus. Because Peter fell down and wept. Well, that's conviction. Talked about Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same compassion he had in his heart during his earthly ministry, it's he's the same. In his heavenly kingdom, seated at the right hand, as our intercessor, it's the same compassionate heart. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those tears in that garden when he went to the cross, it's all because of mankind's sin. Christ is a heart full of compassion. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus. And he knows he's going to go to the cross. When he's in Gethsemane, he knows, all right, I'm going to the cross next. He knows that. Isaiah 53 says he opened not his mouth. Sometimes it's better to just weep. And then be brief with the words. Last spot, Revelation 21. Last spot. Revelation 21. The Bible says in verse number one. And I saw Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I saw, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The last act of God glorifying man 
is he wipes away all of their tears. Praise God! Not only does he weep over an individual household, not only does he weep over that nation of Israel, not only does he weep over the sins of the whole world, that spring going into a river, that river going into the sea, Christ's tears covers it all. And he says, you know what? I'm going to wipe it all away. You won't ever shed a tear again. Cry for your loved one now. There's going to come a day where it's all going to be wiped away. You know what that tells me? Every one of our eyes in this room this morning. Every one of our eyes. He's going to wipe away all tears. That means every single one of us, our eyes, have and will shed tears on this earth. It's okay. But just know this. Christ is going to wipe it.